Sharing number two, chapter three, if you will, look at it that way. Birth and departures, heaven and hell. Our next step in the unfolding scenario of this series has to be an understanding of generic man. Why are we here? And what is the here of which we speak? Is it only what our five senses can pick up upon, even with enhanced instrumentation? Continuing my foundational practice of approaching a subject, it appears as if new galaxies are discovered on an increased frequency as instrumentation, like the Hubble, can focus their lenses on pieces of sky that for centuries have appeared to be void of anything. Even then, is this all there is? I believe it is a given that life in endless forms it proliferates through everywhere. What about the questionable parallel universe theory? Is it possible that another part of who we truly are is alive and well and we just don't know it? Perhaps. My hypothesis for life and all that it means includes the distinct possibility of this and more. For if the energy that we call God is infinite, then so must everything be, for all things are created by and out of it. When it is recorded that our elder brother spoke of our father's house having many mansions in John 14.2, as was said in the previous sharing, most of today's descriptive vocabulary wasn't available to him, and if it uniquely was, only he and none of his contemporaries would have been able to understand what in the world he was saying. If this quote has come down to us accurately, let's explore what its intention might have been. Importing into these opening comments, I, I would also offer present-day synonyms that would include words like dimensions and frequencies of expression. If this has applicability, isn't it logical that infinite cannot have a cap on it? Or points of beginning and ending that seem to have the existence of portals into nothingness on either ends of what dimensions and frequencies of expression might mean? Yet here we are, or at least we appear to be. On a friend's Facebook page, there is a You Are There caption pointing with an arrow to an image of how Earth might look from a long, long, long ways away and showing up as a very small dot of light. It is most certainly a computer-generated image, but it is probably proportionally valid, as it shows a representative Earth within one of the outer areas of the Milky Way galaxy. And this just scratches the surface this nibbles at the outskirts of eternity. The latest count that astronomers theorizing the number of galaxies to be shared with us is to be 100 billion with the instrument-aided observable universe. In our own Milky Way galaxy, there is thought of to be an excess of 100 billion suns or potential centers of solar systems. Then, 
How can it be logically accepted, as said by some, that this is all there is? Saying this, all we are talking about are pieces of stuff that emit a measurable point of energy that we define as existing within a spectrum, that while including visible energies, the entire measurable spectrum itself far exceeds the narrow band we can see. The two ends of this often published and instrument-sensitive spectrum are called extremely low frequency all the way to gamma rays. Is this to say that there is nothing below the low or higher than the high? Nothing? Ever? And is there the possibility of such things as a parallel or a standalone existence of energies that defy any present known instrumentation? Do we really want to preclude the possibility of theorizing existence from within and upon these perhaps yet to be discovered energies and spectrums? To not accept the possibility of this being true, then would ask of us to redefine such words as infinite and forever, maybe using the qualifying verb, perhaps. I have really not wandered away from this podcast title. It was just imperative that a foundation be established upon which to explore this sharing's material. In my mind, infinite and forever are just that, meaning that finite thinking will never even come close to capturing it. An allegory of sorts equates God with an explorer, and in our exploitations, while we will find the evidence of numerous campfires, perhaps even vibrantly warm, God is always over the next hill, building another one. Energy, be it called by whatever name, God is fine, is always doing its job description, which in my thinking includes expansion and doing so within no barriers whatsoever. This would mean from a creative posture that doesn't include boundaries whatsoever, boundaries that we sense simply because we are judging a process we don't understand with, if not finite understanding, sometimes a deep religious biopic uh, of impairment on our part. However, if this thesis be true, that indeed while we are here on the sighted map of the Milky Way, there has to be so much more. You know, I like to muse that there just might be another individualized concept of me also looking up into a night sky somewhere and wondering about the me I often think to be the only me and only in the here and now. Let's visit again a core acceptance of a truth held by me. We are created by and out of the source of the infinite universe. Extrapolated, it now offers to us a thread of thought, thought connectivity, that sees this present moment in our life as energy expanding and expressing not only through us, but more importantly, as us. We are it and it is us. Not the totality of it being us, but as addressed in the previous sharing, God, and energy expression of it that is now manifesting through us and as us. Why? Why, for the purpose of further expansion. 
Now, carrying this hypothesis further, this means that the energy we call God, source, through us, as us, can be thought of as an arm or function or tool of its divine job description that is at work here and now doing its thing, what expansion, as us. Using a military term, the individualized expression of life that we call man and woman are walking point as the universe expands through what we perceive to be dream, desire, and plan. Using something less military, it is God dreaming, desiring, and planning through and as us that is engaging the ever-unfolding need to proliferate its existence and can further be thought of as its self-imposed divine edict to expand. Then to realize that this is an action taking place 24-7, 365, through and as us. And you know, more importantly, we cannot not do it. However, as this divine process moves through us and as us, we have options. We can unconsciously participate in this function of our cooperative job description in a kind of knee-jerk fashion by dreaming, desiring, and planning based only on a reactive mode to what is going on around us, sort of like the function of a thermometer. Or we can participate in this divine dance by consciously choosing our dreams, desires, plans, based on what we really want to do, be, and have, much like the function of a thermostat. The choice of direction is always ours. Conscious, thermostat-like choices are always better. Knee-jerk, thermometer-like choices, but perpetuates the junk. So how does this all work? Well, enter stage left or right, a possible foundational point of understanding found within our Jordeo Christian heritage, the concept of soul. In the second chapter of Genesis, the seventh verse, we read that man became a living soul, and the word or its translated equivalent is then found throughout the rest of the Bible. The Hebrew Aramaic word in the Old Testament is nepesh and pushek in the New meaning uh, the various ranges that uh, had as a common denominator uh, information that wasn't available to people. George Lamza, the translator of the Bible from Aramaic into English, from, with whom I, I was privileged to spend a year, said that like some Asian languages, the very same word can mean far different things depending on things like the circumstances of the moment, a lilt, or some other form of inflection. However, there is seen throughout the entire Bible an obvious and apparent need to differentiate between a person and his or her soul. I see in the word soul an effort to provide a bridge or point of breath, one of the meanings of the word in the Old Testament, between man and the Lord God, or Elohim, of the Old Testament, and God, or Abba, in the New. So cannot an application of this then be said about us whenever we experience birth into a physical form? The soul can 
also be thought of as our individualized God identity that now has extended itself into and as a physical form, meaning you, me, each and all, through which to cause more expansion through dream, desire, and plan. It isn't logical that we came from nothingness, yet because each physical expression of soul is seen to have an individualized purpose, this purpose didn't just happen as might be the luck of a draw. I also accept that these many and unique purposes that are in expression are evidence of the soul's many sojourns into physicality and back out again. Soul is always what we have been, are, and shall always be. It can further be thought of as our God identity, and I like to say our God tether. The evidence that is made through our mothers of our coming into physicality with a little help from our fathers, then becomes a physical focus of the eternal part of us that we call soul. It brought with us a predisposition to do and be that is unique to us and every moment in our eternal journey. An automatic side effect of our individual seeking is the collateral blessing or benefit of these very desires and dreams as once achieved they now become part of the reservoir of potential for each and all to tap into and use as their platform to move into ever-deepening enhancements. I believe that this predisposition to do and be that which we brought with us into physicality is what traditional thinkers have called and insisting to call God's will. Well, this will is never anything that is imposed upon us from on high for us to then conjecture and worry about and never truly discover. Remember, God not only in you, but as you. This energy wills through our dream, desire, and plan. At some point in our departure into non-physical, we have many names for this process. I like transition, death or die or total misnomers. For these words imply cessation, and that is impossible. We are coalesced energy, capital E, and energy in any form can only transition into another form. It can never disappear into nothingness. So what happens? And equally important, how do I know? Well, I have another core belief that now also must be factored into this subject. This is not a vindictive universe. I'll say that again. This is not a vindictive universe. Love wouldn't, couldn't do otherwise. And at the chagrin of the purest of the English language, love, while being a noun or verb, is also accepted by me as a shirt-tail pronoun for God. Therefore, as we make a transition away from the task of animating a physical form, we re-mesh with or re-emerge into the pure God energy that is equated with soul. We take no struggle or junk with us. There isn't any retribution that is often referred to as karmic law that now specifically sets up atonement moments for things that must be redone for us in a future embodiment and time when we don't have a clue as to what it is and why it is there in the first place. This is not a vindictive universe. 
Certainly, as we transition again into non-physical, we take consciousness with us, for it is who we are. Yet all the blueprint patterns that are vibrationally contained therein really doesn't impact the eternal part of us or soul when we are totally non-physically focused and not expressing in a physical body. When we again emerge into the level of this soul energy, our conscious awareness is totally there, apart from any negative impaction from a physical expression, from a physical experience. Undoubtedly, we remember what was done and even not done, or said, not said, and yet now seen only through eyes of, perhaps if anything, humor, as all the causal pieces to all the effects are understood. Uh, preferences are again adjusted as from a new perspective new opportunities are seen. Then why not just stay there, wherever we might perceive there to be? Some have called thee there heaven, and if that works for someone's belief system, nothing is harmed. Yet understand that heaven is never initially a place, but always a state of awareness or consciousness expressing as a place. Saying that, whenever we experience life within the endless possibilities that are offered, we are always integral with the energy that is the divine manager of all things that is never vindictive. Then, why seek to return to physicality? One possible answer is that this is where the co-creative action can take place to its fullest because it offers a myriad of contrasts upon which energies of goodness can be launched. Perchance, the lure of the land of contrasts is too strong to stay away. Conceivably, the enhancement of expressing again in a physical form with all of its perks is compelling. And just maybe, again, from a non-physical perspective, it is understood that throughout all that is, it is our innate soul nature to be a cooperative component to how everything works, and it entails another trip and then another one into this physical realm. This divine manager can also be recognized as law that contains within it fulfillment and untold opportunities for reconnectivity and joy. With deepened awareness, déjà vu moments of rendezvous with person or place uh, happen with regularity as this inner law uses threads of connectivity through which to enhance each moment within the co-creative divine potential that is always present. Yes, you and the other person probably have shared moments. Yes, you probably really knew what was around that corner of a place you were visiting, you thought, for the first time. Because of a previous moment, it was brought again into focus. To bring our sharing to a conclusion, our reference in heaven begs another question. If heaven is a state of consciousness, then what is hell? It can be nothing other than a state of consciousness. But this one has only temporary existence and only in the mind of man. If heaven can be likened to a consciousness of steadfast awareness within ever-deepening awareness of oneness with God, then hell is but a name 
for a co-creative action from a belief system within consciousness that launches preferences from a belief in a very vindictive universe that demands punishment and retribution. I will talk more about this in a future sharing. To have foremost in consciousness an awareness of the omnipresence of God is to experience life in a place where peace and joy are obvious, either here in physicality or upon entrance into non-physical after we withdraw energies of animation from a physical form. This is never the case with what is called hell. Its temporary moments are only encountered in the physical realm. There is no place of temporary or eternal punishment. This is not a vindictive universe. Tune in next week. Our sharing will be consciousness and compartmentalization. And then, if it is wisdom for you, and only if it is wisdom, consider making a PayPal gift to my happy effort to share with you Unity's my logical understanding of life. <laughs>